What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in today for another episode of the Running Gold Standard Podcast here on 49ers Hive. My name is Zach Hernandez. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how about that new intro we just got? Makes me feel like I'm watching ESPN, man. That stuff's uh, it's got me really hyped up. But uh, it's about time, you know? We're one step closer to being like uh, Sports Center and uh, NFL Tonight, you know, all the good shows. And I think we're a pretty good show. So, as always, guys, follow me on Twitter, underscore 49ers. That's P E R R Y underscore 49 E R S. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, humble, but definitely striving to be great. Uh, and we are very excited to bring this podcast to you guys. A lot has happened since our last episode, and I know in July, not much happens in the world of the NFL or of, of 49ers football, so we're really actually excited to, to record. Um, and we'll start off with kind of the biggest news since our last episode, Anthony. John Lynch got extended. Uh, there was a lot of rumblings that Kyle Shanahan got his extension. Why isn't John Lynch getting his? Perhaps Kyle Shanahan's not happy with him, and we'll get into that a little later, but do you think the fact that he got his 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 extension does that prove how deserving he was of it or do you think it was kind of like the 49ers felt like they had to, had to give it to him in a sense it almost feels like that Kyle Shanahan and even Parag Marate are more involved with uh acquiring players and getting players to fit in the system and contacting and whatnot and that's not to put down John Lynch for the job that he does because this is obviously outside speculation from my part but I think John Lynch is doing a very good job he hasn't done anything to uh really piss people off outside of the whole Solomon Thomas Ruben Foster thing but hey that was his first year you get that out of the way now so you don't make those kind of mistakes in the future Overall, though, Lynch definitely deserved it. It gets rid of any questions regarding his future, uh, how he's getting along with Kyle Shanahan and the rest of the team, how Lynch is doing with the team itself. And it feels like he hasn't done a bad job to where you're going, why is this guy here? Or he hasn't really done anything to make you really, really think, like, why does he have this job? Why can't it be Adam Peters or Martin Mayhew or anyone else? John Lynch is you know, work with the Kyle Shanahan hand to hand. They both get along very well. It seems like that everything is fine. He obviously just helped get the team to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2012. So nothing wrong with this on my end, man. If anything, it just shows that there's a lot of cohesion amongst the team. This also shows to me that Jed York is willing to keep this going. Yeah, they lost the Super Bowl, but I think York finally sees the potential in the team. Not like Harbaugh and all the retirements and everything that went on from there. This is totally different different and we've heard that countless times about how york learned his lesson and what bits what's basically going on with the team so yeah zach lynch definitely deserved this it will keep him and shannon together through 2024 so yeah shout out to the team man shout out to john lynch he uh he went from color broadcasting to nfl gm and I don't think that's an easy transition. And yeah, maybe if his responsibilities aren't that of a normal GM, we don't know. It certainly kind of doesn't feel that way. But hey, that's again, outside expectation. So shout out to John Lynch, man. He deserved it. Deserves it. So for me, the way I'm kind of thinking about this, and and tell me if I'm kind of overanalyzing this here, but isn't it kind of funny how Kyle Shanahan gets the credit for both his quarterback and his general manager. It's like 
people kind of discount Jimmy Garoppolo because he plays with Kyle Shanahan. He plays in his system. He's got a strong dominant defense with a really powerful, effective running game. And on the, on the flip side, John Lynch, people kind of think of him as kind of a, you know, a GM, sure, but maybe only, you know, the title and Kyle Shanahan's kind of doing the majority of the scouting or telling him who he wants as the players. Um, and although that may not be necessarily true because John Lynch has come out and said Kyle Shanahan, you know, he essentially wants nothing to do with the draft process unless there's a guy that he's up standing on the table for. He doesn't want to be the guy that it comes down to. Um, but for some reason, this kind of public opinion of John Lynch, at least outside of 49ers fans and even with some 49ers fans, um, it, it's that he's not really a general manager. And I couldn't disagree more. I think that John Lynch is a general manager and the fact that you brought up that he was you know a tv guy and he transitioned into this role i think just speaks you know volumes of how far he's come in such little time uh when when the 49ers hired him i think a lot of people were left scratching their heads even a lot of you know really really well-versed nfl media people were kind of like what is this move you know, I think they thought of it as a move to where Kyle Shanahan could have someone that he has complete control over. Um, it, it's Kyle Shanahan's show, and the fact that they hired this TV guy just completely speaks to it. Um, and, and I don't think that's really what happened. I think Kyle Shanahan wanted somebody who is going to come in, you know, maybe green to the business, maybe willing to learn, willing to put your head down, and willing to be equal partners. Um, and us 49ers fans, we just saw that exact opposite of a scenario with Trent Baalke and uh, Jim Harbaugh. So it's really refreshing to see a partnership of a general manager and a head coach work together so well and be, you know, a hundred percent symbiotic relationship to where they're both benefiting off of each other. Um, Now, Anthony, let me ask you this. How much of the fact that John Lynch has kind of a really, really good, public opinion at least with most 49ers fans how much does that go into people thinking of him as a good general manager because he's got a really positive opinion on him for the most part I think it definitely helps a lot and look when you can get along with the fans when you can kind of just reach out to them and tell them hey not be too transparent this is what's going on for example like the Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady thing when he was like oh we contacted him we uh we looked over all the options but we felt that Jimmy Garoppolo was the best to go with it's that kind of transparency that makes you go wow this guy is really upfront and honest and well at least as far as honest goes but to go out and say something like that after a Super Bowl run, it's pretty crazy. It's really crazy. And yeah, maybe people won't like that, but that's how you build trust with the fan base. That's how you show, hey, look, we're not messing around. We really are thinking of what's best for the team. And that goes on to say things like, oh, we went after Odell Beckham, Jamal Adams, uh, Khalil Mack, you know, the high-end guys. And obviously he can pull off those kind of deals going after someone like Trent Williams, maybe a little smaller, but even Emmanuel Sanders, going as far as to sign Richard Sherman, Things of that nature shows that John Lynch has that hunger and he has that uh, that willingness to really make big moves. And it shows that he really cares about the team. And it's not just him that cares. Obviously, he has guys like Shanahan and York and Prague who are all doing a fantastic job. But when Lynch, like like you said, Lynch kind of feels like the he feels like the face where Shanahan and Prague are really more the business detail oriented guys. But at the same time, you have Lynch coming out and saying and making all these statements. And, yeah, it's bold. 
but he's being honest about it. He's not being transparent. Or no, he is being transparent. He's not. Dude, I need to look up a dictionary, man. I gotta figure out what that word transparent is. But uh, the point being is that he's being honest. He's being really forward about all the moves the team is making. And I think that's how you establish a really good uh, point of contact with the fan base. Because we see GMs like... Uh, oh, who's a bad GM? I can't think of any bad GMs. I guess, for example, if you look at like the Lions or the Jets or uh, just kind of a rundown football team where you don't know what the GM is doing or you just constantly question the GM's moves, kind of like what we did with Trent Baalke at some points. It's like, wow, we can't trust this guy, and it's almost like we can't even trust the team. So the way John Lynch is, who he carries himself, and how he carries the team as a whole, is really impressive. It's absolutely impressive. So I got to give John Lynch a lot of props, man. He, uh, I think he may not be exactly what everyone wants, but you look at his resume in terms of what he's done with the team, and you got to admit that he's done a very good job so far. Yeah, and I think that the fact that he has that really good kind of public relations with the media and with, with the 49ers fans in general, that really bodes well for him because most GMs are kind of thought of as incompetent or, you know, they, they whiff on some bad picks and they don't really ever get to outlive that. And although he's had some, some misses, uh, you know, Solomon Thomas hasn't really lived up to expectations. Uh, Joe Williams, uh, CJ Beathard, you know, but he's also had some tremendous hits. Uh, you know, George Kittle, I think that kind of outweighs all the, all the rest of them. Uh, and you know, if, if, if you can't, let a guy get into the job and learn, then most of these guys got to go because they're not there prepared and 100% ready to do the job day one. Most of them need to step into the job and, and learn as they go. But, Anthony, this really made me think of uh, a report from about a year ago from Bleacher Report's Matt Miller. And I'm sure everybody listening knows just based off of that sentence alone. <laughs> uh, but he wrote it in his 2019 scouting notebook and he wrote it a little snippet in the article talking about friction in Seattle or excuse me, friction in San Francisco. He said, you know, there were handshakes, bro hugs, smiles in the draft room as they drafted Nick Bosa, but word out of San Francisco points to friction and a potential breakup of head coach Cal Shanahan and general manager John Lynch. Uh, now what do you make of this? speculation now looking back on it and they're both extended for another you know through 2024 when you hear that kind of information from probably area scouts or uh the lowest trainer who's probably just uh what's the word he's like he's like an intern you probably heard it from some interns or some area scouts man it's uh it's juicy information put it out there at the time and at that point in time we were kind of already questioning Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster with the moves like that. It didn't feel like draft picks were necessarily working out right away outside of guys like George Kittle. And there's just, again, a lot of questions going on. So when you're someone like Matt, you got to figure, oh, look at this information. It's draft time. This is really big. This is, uh, this is stuff that people want. And you look at the stuff now and it's like, wow, that was, uh, that was a really bad article, right? So... At least from a writer's perspective, I guess I get where he's coming from. 
you got to get clicks, man. You got to get that revenue. He's got to make his money. He's got to do his job. And uh, it just seems like he got really bad information. But, hey, that's what people do. When you hear that kind of stuff, you jump on it instantly. You don't question it. You just hear it from some type of source that you think you can trust. Put it on paper. Put it on the Internet. And, boom, clicks, revenue, business. You know, that's that's kind of the business of being a writer. So I don't blame him. But with the way he was coming out about the information at the time, I was like, wow, 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 wow. This is, uh, this is a lot. And then you look at everything he was saying now and how much he's defending and saying, oh, yeah, this isn't going to work out. And uh, Lynch is out and Shanahan is going to take more control of the team, almost like a Belichick. It's like, come on, dude. What do you even know? But, hey, enough knocking. It's in the past. <laughs> I, uh, it, it's just one of those things, you know, and you look back at it and it's like, wow, I can't believe you put that kind of information out. You look at where the team is now and they have come a long way. But to say that the team went through a rift, or at least Shanahan Lynch did, and they both get, what, five-year extensions? You know, throw it out the window. That's pretty much all she wrote. Yeah, you know, to, to, to quote Kyle Shanahan, complete, and excuse my language here, complete bullshit. Um, when, you know, the uh, NBC Bay Area, Sports Bay Area, asked him about the report back when it happened, Matt Mayoko specifically, and he responded via text, complete bullshit. Um, and I really think that's what that report was. Like you said, maybe some unhappy lower level scouts and, you know, with all due respect to, to Matt Miller, he's, he's obviously got some sources here, regardless of how, you know, prominent or high level they are or not. He was told this information and he felt comfortable going forward with it. Um, I just thought it was funny because everything else leading up to that point and since that point has contradicted that specific statement. I haven't seen a single piece of evidence that lets credence to the fact that they have some friction between them, that they don't work well together, uh, that they don't like each other. They seem like the perfect pairing. And let's not all forget that Kyle Shanahan, like I said before, went out and hand-picked essentially John Lynch to work with. So I don't think that he would have done that if a, a year or two down the line, he would have said, you know what, I don't really like this guy. It's not working for me. You know, like, I really don't think that. I think he probably, he seems like a very intelligent guy. He probably did his research, did his homework. Uh, you know, he John Lynch knew his dad. So he probably, you know, felt comfortable going with that. So I, I, it's just, it's really funny looking back on. It's like that that Twitter account, you know, old old takes exposed or whatever it is. Um, just all of the stuff people say when there's really no evidence for it or it's just completely unwarranted. And that's exactly what this was. Um, and yeah, I definitely think both of their extensions put this to rest. And regardless of whatever tension there may have been, there's tension in every relationship, good or bad, uh, whether it's, you know, spouses, coworkers, friends, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever type of relationship you have with someone, if it's, you know, over an extended period of time, there are going to be things that cause friction. Uh, this podcast, for example, maybe I'm working late. Anthony can only record tonight. Uh, he works tomorrow. Whatever the case may be, friction arises, whatever level that, you know, it may differentiate depending on the situations. But more, more often than not, you're able to work through it. 
and you're able to come to a conclusion that is beneficial to everybody. So I just think it's, you know, a load of crap. And I'm really glad that the team, Kyle Shanahan specifically, put it to bed right away uh, because you've seen we've seen before how that can kind of turn into something that actually does cause friction. And I would really hate for that to happen. Uh, now, Anthony, moving on, we recently saw the NFL Top 100 conclude with, with the list, and the 49ers had a handful of players uh, that made the list. Fred Warner, Jimmy Garoppolo, Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, and of course, George Kittle, best tight end in the NFL. Um, who do you think kind of got shorthanded, who got voted too high up on the list, and why? If you really look at the list, you see that out of all the linebackers, a lot of them are pass rushers. T.J. Watt, Von Miller, Shaquille Barrett, uh, Jadavion Clowney, even Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. But there aren't too many linebackers on this list that are kind of just all-around guys. We have Eric Hendricks, and we also have, where do you go, Darius Leonard. So the one guy I think who should have been higher than where he is now, number 70, is Fred Warner. And look, I know he's a young buck. He finally really, uh, not stepped out of the shadows, but really like came out of the spotlight and really just showed everyone up this past season. And the guy can cover, the guy can hit, he can force fumbles like a monster. And the guy just feels like that do-it-all linebacker the team hasn't had since, what, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Chris Borland. And this team has a long history of linebacking. So to have Fred Warner at number 70 with what he did, yeah, they had a great pass rush with Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner, Armstead, Ford, all those guys. You know, I think they kind of took away Fred Warner's spotlight. And that's not to say Fred Warner uh, didn't do enough because if you watch all his highlights, if you just watch his overall game, the guy is out there playing like Willis and Bowman. So if anyone deserved to be higher man on this team and everyone was deserving, I definitely think it was Fred Warner. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with Fred Warner as the one who kind of got voted too high up on the list, or too low, I guess you could say, uh, review it, because Fred Warner is playing as good of football as anybody in the NFL right now, um, or at least that last season, I should say. He was a man on a mission. He was on fire out there on the field, and the fact that the 49ers they can't miss when it comes to drafting linebackers. They could throw a handful of darts with a blindfold on and, and you know, get a bullseye every time. I don't know what it is. Different administrations, different front offices, different scouts come in, and they still are able to draft linebackers. Um, they, they also had Drank Greenlaw. I recently had John Chapman of the 49ers Rush podcast uh, up on our YouTube channel, which go and check it out, guys, if you haven't already. We are currently doing a 49ers jersey giveaway Subscribe to the channel. That's all you got to do. If your handle on YouTube or your name on YouTube is different than your Twitter handle, make sure you comment in our latest video. That way we know who it is if you happen to get picked. Um, But he, John Chapman, happened to say that he thought Dre Greenlaw had a higher ceiling than Fred Warner, which is spectacular to think. But, you know, it really puts this whole linebacking core kind of into perspective of how talented they really are. But getting back to the initial question is who got voted kind of uh, too high up on the list than they should have. This is going to sound a little hot takey here because he was voted pretty high as it is, but I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. You know, he was voted 17 overall as a rookie, and that's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. He's up there with guys like Khalil Mack, Travis Kelsey, Aaron Rodgers, Chandler Jones, 
Um, however, the, you know, guys like Tom Brady and Bobby Wagner, who were 14 and 13 respectively, I think Nick Bosa played better ball than Tom Brady last season uh, at, at their respective positions. I think he played better ball than Bobby Wagner last season. I think they're both aging players who are kind of getting that uh, living off of their name, more so, so to speak. Uh, and these are voted for by their peers, so they're probably thinking they have that me- that view of them and their in their uh, mentality already that they are elite players. Uh, you can't disrespect Tom Brady like that and not put him in the top, you know, quarter of the hundred players in the NFL. So, to me, and I probably would have gone with Fred Warner if you didn't, but just for the sake of discussion, I think Nick Bosa should have been at least a couple of spots higher up on that list. Um, and, and look. Aaron Rodgers played phenomenal football at times last season, but he wasn't that game-changing quarterback that we've all seen him be before. And the the keynote trade, uh, tra- excuse me, keynote kind of trademark signature style of a an elite quarterback is somebody who elevates the players around him, somebody who turns a bunch of nobody receivers into Pro Bowl thousand-yard receivers you know, 15, 20 touchdowns, whatever the case may be, like Tom Brady has done numerous times. And Aaron Rodgers just can't seem to do that. So I would even argue he should be, at the very least, one, two, four spots up on that list, closer to 10 than he is to 20. Um, Now, Anthony, who do you think, which 49er that didn't make the list has the best shot at making it into the top 100 next season? I think if one of these players is going to make it in the top 100, I think it's going to be in like the 90 to 100 type numbers, I guess you could say. But I have a couple to say, not to steal the guys you are, because I want to hear yours too. But one of them, definitely Debo Samuel, man. I know he's going to miss a few games, assuming the uh, COVID thing isn't going to get in the way to begin with. But once Debo Samuel comes back from the foot injury, if if he's 100%, man, whew, wow. And, and here's the thing too is... We talked about snubs at the numbers for the Niners, but also felt like uh, Trent Williams was another guy who should have been in there, and I don't even think he made the 100, and he's one of the best tackles in the league. I know he missed the whole season, but hey, Williams is really good. But uh, anyways, anyways, back to the point. Debo Samuel, man, this guy is going to have a breakout year once he comes back, assuming everything is all good. Jimmy Garoppolo is fully healthy in another uh, another season in Shanahan's system, along with having Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne along him. Debo Samuel's job is going to get a lot easier, I think, and I think he's going to do it a lot better than he already did this past season. And then the other guy who I think could crack the top 100, I think it's going to be Jimmy Ward, man. He was one of the most underrated safeties in the league. Our man Scott loves him. And he's just a do-it-all guy. He's really the utility knife of the team. And we saw how he performed when he was healthy. He was arguably a top five, top ten safety in the league. And he got paid like it. You know why? Because he deserves it. So those are kind of my two sleeper guys to crack the 100 next season. Either Debo Samuel or uh, Jimmy Ward. Okay. I, I really like those guys. I think that they do have a good chance of making it. Debo Samuel specifically... Um, he was electrifying as a rookie, and I can't wait to see what he does. Even with kind of a shortened season due to his injury, I think he's still going to take the league kind of by storm and really set them on fire. For me, I also have two guys, um, and one was very, very close to making it this year as it was, uh, and that's Eric Armstead. 
I believe he was voted like 104, 106, I think I saw on Twitter. Um, so just slightly missed the NFL top 100. He was playing on a contract year, so you could make the argument that, you know, he, he that's not sustainable. He's not able to play at that rate long term. We hadn't seen that from him before. But I would flip the argument around and say, look, this was a guy progressing into him, into his career, uh, kind of getting comfortable with the system. And I think that this is the Eric Armstead that's here to stay. And I think this is the Eric Armstead that the 49ers and the 49ers fans will see more of going forward, especially with all that talent surrounding him. Um, and the other one that I want to see is Kwan Williams, the shark. I think he is so underrated that people don't even think about him when they think about people that are underrated. Um, he is the best slot corner in the NFL. I, I don't think that's a stretch by any means to say that. I think he's been the best slot quarter in the NFL for a while now. And he just constantly gets forgotten. You know, people constantly don't think about him when even talking about elite defensive backs. And I don't know why. I don't know what the case is. He's not maybe a loudmouth guy like most corners are today in the NFL. Maybe that's the case. Uh, but his work speaks for itself. And the guy gets the job done. Um, you know, and, and he's extremely physical. Whatever you're asking of him, whatever the 49ers are asking for him, he he does it. So I think my two that didn't make it this year, that likely will next year, it's got to be Eric Armstead and Kwan Williams. And now, a quick message from our sponsors. Wow, Zach, that's a cool sweater. Where'd you get that? I got it at the 49ers Hive Teespring store. Have you checked it out yet? 49ers Hive Teespring store? Man, your sweater is really cool, but... I'm not just starting to get hot out there. Do you guys have anything else outside the sweaters? Well, that's the thing, Anthony. All of our designs are available in t-shirt, long sleeves, hoodies, uh, even some crew necks, and also men and women's. So if you wanted to get a shirt to match yours for your girlfriend, you can go to 49ers Hive Teespring store right now and get both of those. You're telling me I can not only order men's shirts, sweaters, hoodies, even mugs, even masks, I can also order women's too. Shoot. I like my options, man. Well, get this. Not only that, but you can also order a hoodie for your dog. Get a nice sweater for the fur baby and the whole family could be matching. You're kidding. No, I'm not. You can go to teespring.com slash store slash 49ers Hive right now and get you and the whole family matching 49ers Hive merch. Go check it out right now, guys. And also, guys, make sure you use code RGS15 for 15% off your entire purchase. Again, that is RGS15, as in red gold standard, 15 for 15% off your entire purchase. Now, back to the show. Uh, Now, Anthony, we've seen a lot of stuff happen in the NFL differently this year. No training camps, uh, you know, no OTAs, reduced training camps, I should say. Completely eliminated the preseason. Everything's different due to COVID. Life itself for everyone is different due to COVID. But the NFL is kind of struggling with what are they going to do about this multi-billion dollar revenue loss that's expected to hit after the season. No fans will be allowed to go to games for who knows how long. Um, And the salary cap was reduced down as recently announced. It was going to be reduced down to about $175 million. How bad... Will that hinder the 49ers' ability to re-sign players moving forward? Dude, it is going to suck. 
We already have guys like Trent Williams, Kwan Williams, I think it's going to be due for contract. George Kittle is obviously the big one. And a bevy of guys who will need money. And it sucks. It really sucks. And at the end of the day, I just want the guys to be safe and healthy and happy and ha- be safe with all their families and whatnot. But, man, they're going to still be asking for a lot of money. It seems like the Niners are slowly but surely working on the deal with George Kittle. But at the same time, we hear reports saying that uh, the two sides haven't really come to any sort of agreement yet or they're not necessarily in the ballpark yet. And that's what also kind of sucks about the NFL Top 100 is that when you're the number 7th best player in the league in George Kittle, you definitely made another million or two dollars on the contract. And with the salary cap at 175 about, it's not going to be easy. Are the, is the team going to make some cuts that we may not be surprised to see or we will be surprised to see? Yeah, absolutely. Tevin Coleman obviously being the big one at $4.5 million, But there's other guys, too, who could also be restructured. Even guys like Garoppolo, D. Ford, Quan Alexander, uh, Twent, Trent <laughs> Williams, they just restructured for the better. They just gave Raheem Mostert a little more money. But it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be really tough. There's still a lot of big-name guys on the team to re-sign. There's a lot of big-name guys in the future we're going to have to re-sign, like Fred Warner, Greenlaw eventually, Debo. Who knows if they'll bring back Solomon Thomas. It's all these guys and all these names that will just keep stacking and stacking up, man. And, shoot, we're going to be looking like the Warriors with the uh, with all the mid-level exceptions and the one-year contracts we're going to have to sign. But, uh Nah, this, uh, in all honesty, this whole situation is just going to really kill the team. And I'm not saying that it's going to hinder them to where, oh, they're not going to make the playoffs. They won't be back in the Super Bowl. Uh, Shanahan and Lynch won't be able to adjust. It's just going to cripple them. Nah, I think they'll be able to build a team great. We've seen the drafting the past couple years has been really good compared to the first two years. And the team is just finally starting to click. It seems like Lynch and Shanahan are really in stride to stride. And they just have the jobs down. We already know what Shanahan is as coach. We already know what he is as an offensive coordinator. He's the best in the league. Is he one of the best head coaches in the league? Absolutely. And then we have someone like John Lynch who, yeah, we said earlier that he may just be kind of the face of the team to put out the messages. But he still has a job to do and he's doing it well. So, yeah, the COVID thing is tough. Salary cap thing is tough. But I trust guys like Lynch and Shanahan and Prague to really just work around it and get the job done entirely. And it's not going to be easy, not just for them, but just the entire league. And the owners are going to want to make money. They're not going to want to pay out as much. Who knows how much money they're even going to bring in. And, yeah, I'm sure it will still be north of billions and billions of dollars. It just won't be the billions and billions of dollars we see them make every other year. So, yeah, this year will be tough. It will be specifically tough on teams and re-signing players. And I wouldn't be surprised if guys get lower contracts than what the market value is. And that's just because of COVID alone. And I'm not saying Kittle isn't going to sign for 12 to $13 million. And I'm sure it'll be in the north of uh, 14 to 15 range. But I am saying the guys who are more role players, I think their contract numbers are going to be reduced significantly. It's going to be super tough because you're asking these guys who have been conditioned and taught, and rightfully so, I may add, to get every single penny they're owed before they get out of this game for good and have to either one, make that money last for them and their families for the rest of their lives, or two, learn to invest it and and become a successful businessman and, you know, make sure that that money continues to grow and and, and produce for you. Um, 
And now you're turning around and saying, actually, we ne- we're going to need some of that money back. <laughs> or actually, we can't give you as much as we were hoping to. Uh, hopefully, you could be understanding. Sorry. You know, it, it's it's a tough situation for everybody to be in because the players shouldn't be punished. Um, but the teams aren't necessarily at fault here. It's not like they wanted COVID to affect the salary caps. Uh, but I just wanted to show this real quick. Per over the cap. The following 15 teams have an active spending sum that exceeds $175 million, and we haven't even seen a free agency period for 2021. So that's the Detroit Lions, Dallas Cowboys, Buffalo Bills, Green Bay Packers, Tennessee Titans, Cleveland Browns, Oakland Raiders, Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs, Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, only one team, the Seahawks, have spent less than $175 million in 2020, and it it spells trouble for next year. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough. A lot of people are going to have to renegotiate contracts. A lot of players are going to have to be cut. So I don't know how exactly they're going to work around the numbers. I, for one, am extremely happy that the 49ers have somebody like Parag in their front office that is able to work these numbers around magically he's kind of known as like a cap magician a salary cap guru if you will (laughs) so he's able to kind of work these numbers in ways that we haven't really seen them before and he's had these extensions or contract negotiations and when the details come out people are kind of left scratching their heads like huh all right well damn he made it work you know so i think it will really hinder the 49ers ability to re-sign guys uh, that they want to, specifically George Kittle, uh, their defensive backfield. Most of them are either restricted free agents or just flat-out free agents after this season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they cope with that, what moves they make to kind of uh, plan ahead, knowing what the salary cap is going to be. Every year it goes up, and teams usually plan with that raise in mind and this is the first year that it's going down so it's a first for everyone and we're just going to have to wait and see how every single team reacts um now anthony like i said most of this defensive backfield is their contracts are up after this year do you expect them to get re-signed and in general who do you expect to get re-signed so i think that they have to make george kittle like the guy but again I don't know how teams like the Cowboys do it, where it just seems like they hand out millions and millions of dollars each year, left and right, and these guys just keep coming back. Like, isn't there a salary cap? Isn't there, like, a limit they can reach? And yet they're still handing out nine-figure contracts on top of franchise tags and all that. But uh, George Kittle should get re-signed. I think he could be tag-eligible. And I don't mean, like, he can't get tagged. But I mean, like, I think the team could tag him. They may not be seeing eye to eye on the contract until the season really starts. We hope he's under contract, but we heard Kittle say, hey, look, the contract may not be done, but I'm going to still show up to training camp. I'm still going to work my butt off, and I'm still going to be with the team. So I don't think that'll be a problem. Will the tag be a problem? Yeah, I think so. Let me look real quick. I want to see what the tag value is for tight ends. Okay. So the franchise tag tight end value is $10.6 million. 
compared to what guys like Austin Hooper, Zach Ertz, and Travis Kelsey are making, I don't think Kittle's going to want that kind of money for one year. But at the same time, too, if he's willing to play on the tag for a year, I think $10.6 million is going to go a long way for the Niners to manage the salary cap as a whole. And not just for uh, just the year, but just the future as well, because they'll still be able to negotiate. If they can get Kittle to play on the tag just for this season and give him the contract he wants in the future, once this stuff kind of blows over and once the salary cap can start going up again. Because I think I saw something from Jason OTC, who's over the cap, that the salary cap could get back to over $200 million by next year. But that's assuming everything goes well. And with the way things look now, who knows? But hey, $10.6 million isn't much compared to what George Kittle is asking for. But if he's really willing to play on it, if he's really willing to be out there for the team and not make this a big problem, and he's not going to sit out, then so be it. Tag him right away. Don't make it a problem now. Maybe make it a problem later. Right now, we have other guys to get back. Like you said, Richard Sherman needs a contract. K1 Williams will need one. Akela Witherspoon will need one. I think the only guy who will be under contract out of the corners is uh, um, Emmanuel Mosley. And he just signed his restricted free agent tender or whatever that is. So they got him for one year. He's going to need a contract too. All these guys, man. So outside George Kittle, if you consider tagging or re-sign... I think they'll bring back K1 more so than Richard Sherman. So this coming draft, obviously, it's not a draft episode, but I could totally see it going be uh, secondary heavy or free agency the next coming year, cornerback heavy once Sherman leaves. So it's tough It's tough to prioritize. It really is. But out of everyone for this season, I think you have to go with the best slot corner in the game, man. K1 is deserving of money. He's an underrated piece on the team. He's an anchor in the secondary. And he just does his job, and he does it flawlessly. So outside of Kittle, I think if you bring back anyone else right now, I got to say K1. Th- those are good good options, but definitely K1. Um, you-, you guys heard me talk about him a little bit ago. He's the best slot corner in the game. And the 49ers would be wise to bring him back. Um, d- did I hear you say correctly that you don't think they will bring Emmanuel Mosley back? No, no, no. They have him for one a year. Then I think he's a free agent the year after. So I think he'll come back. I think he'll come back. But uh, Sherman, though, I think Sherman's the one surprise guy that they won't bring back. Really? Okay. So, I, I, I mean, I could see it. But I think at the same time, Sherman might be at that point in his career where he just wants another ring and I think that he depending on how this next season goes he might realize that his best shot to get that is here maybe he takes a team friendly deal maybe not Um, but the main thing the 49ers need to do is not overspend Um, and, and, and really it's tough to know because if like you said if this salary cap is projected to rise back up over 200 um, then they're kind of in the clear they're fine. They're not going to have to be pinching pennies. They're not going to be begging guys to, to restructure their contracts um, and, and, and carefully watching who they spend money on and planning strategically of who they're going to have to uh, compromise for by then drafting, you know. So it, it depends. But if the salary cap does not go back up over $200 million, then they're definitely going to need to only re-sign guys that are, you know, a couple million here, a couple million there, uh, maybe convert to some roster bonuses, however they can make the numbers work. But they can't overspend like they did when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan first came into this organization and uh, 
got together and, you know, paid guys like Kyle Juszczyk a ridiculous amount of money, uh, Quan Alexander a ridiculous amount of money. Um, they, they can't afford to do that after this year. I mean, they were able to do it that year. They had that surplus of cap space. They understood they were paying for being bad. But that's not the case anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see how they maneuver with that reduced salary cap if it, if it doesn't, for some reason, go back up. Um, now, Anthony, we did ask for some questions from all of our listeners out on Twitter, and we promised a special winner uh, would be selected, and you we will give you guys one item from our Teespring store. You just let us know what you want, and, and I'll, we'll buy it for you. We'll ship it to you. Um, and the winner is Lou Palumbo. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Um, if you're listening, send us a DM, tweet at us. We'll get you what you want. Um, but let, let's get into these questions, Anthony. Do you want to go first? Yeah, let's kick off with Lou, the lucky winner. So he tweets at Niners Hive, what position is the Niners' biggest weakness? And also, why does everyone who isn't a Niners fan hate Jimmy Garoppolo, Zach? <laughs> I love this question. Um, their biggest weakness, it has to be their, their defensive backfield, their secondary. But it's it's tough because when you think of their biggest weakness, for me, I kind of think of positional groups. I think of their linebackers. I think of their offensive line. I think of their secondary. I think of their wide receivers. And if you're breaking them down like that, to me, it's it's clear. It's their secondary. They got a bunch of unproven guys back there, a bunch of question marks, so to speak, with all due respect. Um, it, it, they're unproven. And you got a bunch of, you know, you got an aging corner who was great. Don't get me wrong. But the question marks are starting to show up on his speed. He's gotten burnt before. Richard Sherman, um, Kella Witherspoon. What does he have? He's flashed at times for a bit, but the majority of his career has been poor. Um, so for me, it's got to be the secondary. But that comes with an asterisk. But because how good this defensive line is, you don't need Champ Bailey and Darrell Revis and Richard Sherman uh, and, uh, you know, guys like that in the backfield because the, even average to, you know, slightly below average guys are doing all right because the quarterback has two seconds to get the ball out. So that's my answer. And as far as uh, why who everybody who isn't a 49ers fan hates Jimmy Garoppolo, one, people don't like people who they perceive has had it easy in life. And I think that's what fans of other teams and just football fans in general think of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they think, one, he's a good-looking dude. You know, I'm not attracted to guys, but I think everybody can admit Jimmy Garoppolo is a handsome fella. Um, And two, he sat behind Tom Brady for years. He, you know, was able to study under Bill Belichick. And then he came to Kyle Shanahan's system, who a lot of people will say anybody could succeed in, although we've seen... That's not the case, or else they wouldn't have traded for Jimmy Garoppolo to begin with. Um, and, and, you know, three, he's got a strong defense that will crush any opposing quarterback and any opposing offense. And four, a strong, effective running game. So you put all that together, and people automatically discount Jimmy Garoppolo for everything he does because they're kind of thinking, yeah, but that's not really because of him. You know, yeah, but that's, you know, he's he's handing it off. He's only throwing it three times in the second half of the championship game. You know, there's all these excuses start coming out. And I think the 49ers fans who are more inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt, 
they're kind of saying, whoa, 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 well, let's look at this as a, you know, with some context. Yeah, he only threw it three times a game, but why wouldn't, why would he throw it if they're running for like 12 yards a play? You know, so you got to have to add all of the context to the situations. But I think mainly people don't like people who they perceive has had it easy in life. Did you want to answer any of those or do you want to move on? I'm going to just say this, man, about Jim Garoppolo. The dude is ranked the number eight quarterback out of 100 NFL players. He is number eight at number 43, the eighth best. These are what the players are saying. So you can't knock him at this point, man. Jimmy Garoppolo's top 10. No more arguments if the players think it. Hell, I don't care. He is it. And then as for the other question from Lou, the biggest weakness, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say tight end. And look, they drafted Charlie Warner. I think they still have, uh, oh, what's his face? The big dude. I forget his name. Dwelly. It's leaving my head right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ross Dwelly. I think. Huh? Ross Dwelly. Oh, Dwelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, I think they need to get more athletic at the position. I think that's why they drafted Warner. We see a lot of uh, social media Niners truthers saying that, oh, they drafted Warner to be like Kittle because Kittle isn't going to return. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you don't just let a top 10 player in the league and the number one best player at his position leave. You got to bring him back. But the problem with tight end, I think, is that one, they're pretty unproven outside the Kittle. And two, they just don't bring what Kittle brings. And yeah, there isn't really anyone like Kittle. But the point being is that we see a lot of teams these these days switch to more athletic two tight end sets we see the rams do it we see the ravens do it we even see the chiefs do it and there's all sorts of teams throughout the league that have very athletic pass catching tight ends who can go out there and help move the ball the buccaneers are another good example too and they just got gronkowski before that it was oj howard and cameron break so for the niners i think having a second tight end opposite kittle who can do more than just block and yeah you get someone like warner to help free kittle more so he doesn't have to block as much but the point being is that outside of the blocking, you still need another way to take pressure off of Kittle, at least from the receiving aspect. And you need another tight end to go out there and who can maybe make a play with the ball in his hands or get an extra 10, 15 yards after catch. And hopefully Warner can be that. Hopefully Dwelly can be that. But Kittle has been taking beating throughout his Niners career. And that's not to say that he's hurt all the time. But, I mean, dude, this guy does everything. He blocks like an offensive lineman. He catches like a wide receiver. He runs with the ball like a running back. And I won't be surprised if he can throw like a quarterback. The guy can do it all. So that takes a toll on the guy at some point. Kittle's still young and strong and athletic. So I'm not saying it's going to hurt him now. But, man, I almost want to just, like, let him loose. At least on the field, I mean, but also bubble wrap him to keep him safe, you know. So take off all the pressure on court on Kittle. The Niners need to get more production out of their tight end position because Kittle can't do it at all. So I'm not saying they can't really upgrade at this point. Although we did hear reports saying that the Niners talked to Jordan Reed and Delaney Walker. Totally forgot about that. I guess the Niners apparently reached out to Jordan Reed and Delaney Walker. And this kind of proves my point, too, that outside of bringing in veteran leadership, you also want to bring in a guy who has a history of catching the ball and making plays with the ball in his hands. And yeah, Delaney Walker has ankles that are as thin as twigs, and Jordan Reed's head may not be at all there at this point. But hey, it's an upgrade at the position. The team could use it. And if they can make that kind of addition to the team, and who knows, Warner could get P-squatted, Dwelly could get cut, or I think he's still squad eligible, who knows. But when they're making moves like this, it really shows that the team is looking at upgrading the position. And yeah, they may not make a move, 
But the fact that the report like this came out is really interesting. And I think it's really something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And, you know, that's just I did not expect I'm kind of speechless. I didn't expect you to say tight end. But the way you kind of explain it there, it, it does make a lot of sense. They're top heavy at the position. Uh, they got the best in, in the NFL there. And then there's a steep drop off. So I could I can definitely see that. Uh, moving on to our next question, we have Ty Anderson asked on Twitter, Jimmy Garoppolo, 43 overall. We were just talking about him, Anthony. Uh, do you think he's too low, too high, or just right? I'll go first real quick, and then you can give your thoughts. Uh, for me, I, I kind of think about this in two ways. Who's ranked around him and who's ranked at his position or, you know, uh, around him as well? Um, and, and 50 through 41, you got Darius Leonard, Mari Cooper, Zadarius Smith, Tredavious White, Dak Prescott, J.J. Watt, Mark Ingram, Jimmy Garoppolo, Alvin Kamara, and Jadavian Clowney. I think J- Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm going to argue in here and say he had a better season than all of these players here. Uh, Jadavian Clowney had a good season, but he's not even in the NFL right now. Technically, he's unsigned. Um, you could argue Dak Prescott had a good season, but he, you know, the Cowboys are gonna they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and he's been playing for a starter for a little longer than Jimmy has. Uh, Darius Leonard's a fantastic player. I could argue, I could see the argument from him that he deserved to be higher. Um, so I think it's just about right. Um, when you go into quarterbacks, he, like you said, he was the eighth best. So around him, you got. Deshaun Watson was the seventh best quarterback and Dak Prescott was the ninth. So I, I, I don't think that Jimmy is worse than Dak. Um, but I don't think right now he's better than Deshaun. So I actually think that that's a pretty spot on ranking for him. What do you think? I think if I look at, or if I break it down a little bit and I just look at the quarterbacks. So up until him, this is order from one to him, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, where'd he go? Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. I think that's pretty fair, but if you look at how Jimmy played compared to Watson, compared to Aaron Rodgers, even obviously compared to Tom Brady and Drew Brees, it felt like Garoppolo did way better. And again, this is like what you said earlier. It feels like guys like Brees and Brady are that high just because of namesake. And that's not to knock them. But, hey, they're aging out. The arm talent is starting to drop slowly. The accuracy and awareness is there, but we don't see the arm strength as much anymore. Tom Brady didn't hit the throws that he did anywhere near what he used to do 10 years ago, obviously. And Drew Brees was the same a few years back as well. So it felt like from a positional perspective, Jimmy Garoppolo outperformed them. He was clutch. He got the job done. He brought the team to the Super Bowl. And, yeah, I'm not going to blame the whole thing on, oh, Garoppolo is successful because of Shanahan's system. We saw him make a lot of off-script plays where he got the ball down the field or he was able to convert first down. We saw him convert against the Rams game on two third and 17s. Yeah, maybe that was play calling or maybe it was just very, very good quarterback play. Who knows? It can go either way. But overall, it definitely feels like just in terms of this past season's play, Garoppolo did a lot better than Aaron Rodgers, I thought. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers is Rodgers. But you look at the division, you look at everything else going on around him, it just felt like Garoppolo just outperformed him point blank. If you look at Sean Watson from like a tangible perspective, Watson is just a better player as a whole. He's athletic, he's got the arm talent, he's got 
I guess the accuracy you could say, but Deshaun Watson's just overall, again, his tangibles are, I think what put him this high, but you look at the play and you look at how Garoppolo got the job done. You could argue that Garoppolo did as good or as better than the Watson. But if we were to do it like that, man, if we were to move Garoppolo up, it would change up the list entirely. So unfortunately I'm going to roll with, yeah, it feels about right. But looking at him amongst the quarterbacks, man, it definitely feels like he could have been higher than some of the guys that are ahead of him. Yeah, it's tough, but I see what you mean there. Uh, Moving on to our next question. We're going to combine these two because they're they're pretty similar. And it's from Adrian Aguirre. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. And Gilbert Lee on Twitter. Uh, What do you think happens with Dante Pettis this year? Any chance he bounces back? And also, why hasn't his dominant punt return game uh, that we saw in college not translated to the NFL? Um, So I'll go first, Anthony. I think, and this might sound like a hot take, I think Dante Pettis bounces back. Uh, Dante, I'm I'm really coming around on him. I think that I'm going to be pounding the table for Dante Pettis to have a breakout year come, you know, come August and, and September going into the year. He's got a chance to step up with Debo out, and I think that he's heard everything. He's a very, very active guy on social media. He's, uh, you know, he sees it all. He sees the slander. He sees people kind of throwing his name under the in the mud and and talking about Dante needs to be cut. Dante this, Dante that. I think Dante will step it up. I think that he will stop shying away from contact. I think that he will go out there and try and be more like a dog, like a Debo Samuel. Um, And I don't think he's going to have a thousand yard season by any means, but I think he'll show more of the Dante that we saw in the second half of his rookie year than we saw last season. And as far as the, his, his dominant punt game return, not translating, I think it all comes down to being, being afraid of contact. Um, It comes down to, hearing footsteps before they're there it comes down to getting in your mind that you're about to get drilled by a player going full speed and you know maybe wanting to take the safe way and take a knee or fumbling the ball whatever the case may be I think he gets in his own head more often than not and that's caused him to kind of fail at returning punts and he got pulled I think he's got all the skills and all the traits he could be a dynamic punt returner but he just hasn't been able to put it together yet what do, you, what do you think, Anthony? I think that Dante Pettis will step up as well, but it's not going to be easy, man. There's a lot of guys coming back from injury. Obviously, Richie James, for example, just got placed on the COVID reserve list, but I'm sure he'll be okay. But guys like Trent Taylor are coming back. Debo Samuel is going to be gone for a little bit, so this could really be his opportunity to step up. And the problem with this, though, Zach, is that the offseason, not the offseason, this preseason in particular was the one we wanted to see Pettis play in. We wanted to see him play in two or three games. We wanted to see him make those big improvements that you see come from training camp and just improving mentally as a player and physically. And this was the time to prove himself, and now he's not going to be able to. He's really going to have to step up in training camp, and we're really hoping that uh, the people who are going to show up and watch them have a lot of good things to say about Pettis. Do I think he's going to step up? Yeah. Do I think he bounces back? Yeah. I think it may be, like you said, I don't think he'll be a thousand yard season, but I definitely think he'll be a better role player than he was a season ago. We won't see him just shine in the Steelers game or shine in the Cardinals Cardinals game, excuse me. 
he will have more prominent role. And this is assuming Debo misses a couple games. Ayuk doesn't, I guess, understand the system right away. He kind of struggles as a rookie a little bit because this wide receiver room is still kind of questionable, man. Debo's very talented, but we got to see him be healthy. We got to see how he bounces back after his great sophomore season it was. Can Ayuk really understand? Is Trent Taylor healthy? Can Kendrick Bourne can be consistently consistent like he was this past season? And all sorts of questions and answers. And honestly, I think the door is wide open for Pat to step up. So he's got to do it, man. And then to answer the other question regarding the college game not translating, I think that kind of applies to what you're saying about taking your own contact, man. Yeah, we didn't see him return punts that often with the Niners, but when he did, it still felt like that his uh, kind of wavy, quick, shifty motions as a returner just wasn't cutting it. And on top of that, you have a guy here who needs to learn how to take on contact. It doesn't exactly go hand in hand. So I don't know if he's just done returning punts for good. Maybe he's the second or third string on the death chart or what. He has a lot of work to do, dude. He has the talent. He has the ability. But it's about that dog mentality. Can he get that part of the game I think he can. He showed in Washington. It sure felt like he showed in his first season with the Niners. I don't know if he just sophomore slumped. Maybe he just regressed. Maybe he saw the challenge was too tasking for him or what. And I love Pettis. He's the first jersey I ever actually bought outside of the ones I've just been given. So I want Pettis to succeed. He is a great player. He's a great person. It seems like he's loved in the locker room. And there's not much more I can say, man. I want Pettis to step up. And I think he has the ability to do it. He just has to be all there mentally first. Yeah, it's going to be a battle. There's not enough passes to go around, so to speak. But it really just depends on who steps up and who Jimmy Garoppolo feels comfortable going to. Um, And Anthony, the last question we have with the extension. This is from RJ24 on Instagram. With the extension for John Lynch, what does this mean for Adam Peters or Martin Mayhew? Um, I'll go first. I I think that particularly Adam Peters is more tricky than Martin Mayhew. I think Martin Mayhew came here with the understanding that John Lynch was the head dog and, and, and possibly Adam Peters after that. But I think that's more, more kind of iffy for Adam Peters because... He's got a giant spotlight on him from around the league, from what I've been reading. Uh, guys, other teams are, are keeping an eye on him, possibly eyeing him for, for general manager roles when they become available. And I don't know if the 49ers are going to be able to keep him for much longer. I think the 49ers might have to pull some type of move where they promote uh, John Lynch to VP or whatever, whatever the role is to where they can make Adam Peters the GM if they want to keep him and in my opinion they should because adam peters is a phenomenal talent and a fantastic resource to have in this front office when it comes to scouting and and, and hitting on your draft picks um so i think that this is going to be more telling for adam peters than martin mayhew i think martin mayhew kind of already had his chance as a gm uh, in, in Detroit, and it didn't really work out. He had some good picks. However, for the most part, he kind of flamed out there, and I think he kind of came over to San Francisco, um, Santa Clara, whatever you want to say, uh, to, and, and more of a reserved role, understanding that he was going to be in the back seat here, uh, and I don't think this affects him as much as it affects Adam Peters. What do you think, Anthony? 
I'm going off trail a little bit. I think that with success with the success of the team, if they get one more season with another Super Bowl or another deep playoff run, man, Adam Peters and Martin Mayhew are going to get paid. I do agree that Mayhew kind of flamed out in Detroit, but you can never have too many good GMs or you can never have too many good personnel members. These guys, if everything works out, if they can obviously I think the NFL or the new CBA or whatever was basically coaches and teams can't let other coaches not see teams. So I think interviews have to be done or they can be conducted without any restraint. So Martin Mayhew and Adam Peters are free, man. They could go and make their money if they want. Do I think it's going to happen eventually? Yeah. I would like to see Lynch kind of promoted the VP of operations or whatever, like you said, whatever would happen with that. Because both of these guys, I still think are very talented in front office, man. And again, teams can never have too many excellent personnel members Adam Peters and Mayhew are just that. I think the Niners should do whatever they can to give these guys basically as much money as possible and keep them. These are the guys that help make the job a lot easier. These are the guys that really help build the team, evaluate talent, help Shanahan pick the right guys, help Salah pick the right guys, and so on and so forth. It's going to be tough to keep these guys, and I know Mayhew will probably eventually want another shot at the GM. Adam Peters will definitely be the highest-paid GM at some point in the league. So it's going to be a tough, tough situation to be in, but... uh, I think that with this extension, I think the clock is ticking for Peters and Mayhew to find not a better job, but to definitely be looking for GM jobs or big personnel jobs that will open up in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see what the 49ers do to keep Adam Peters in the future. Because like I said, I think he is going to be the first to get plucked, or at least teams will try and pluck from the 49ers. Um, and, and I don't blame him. He's he's a fantastic resource they have, and he's wanted elsewhere, and it, it makes sense. Uh, but guys, that's going to do it for us today. This was a little longer of an episode, but we just had so much we wanted to get into and, and talk about. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, and a lot of you guys have asked how you can support us, how you can show us some support. Uh, the best thing you can do for us is leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening on. If you are able to leave a review, please do so. We go and check them out. They really make our make our day and make us happy. Check them all out. We appreciate the kind words. Um, that helps more than you guys think. And follow 49ers Hive, follow uh, RGS Pod on Twitter. All of the podcasts are up and shared on those accounts. Um, and right now... We do have our jersey giveaway happening on our YouTube channel, like I said. So go to YouTube, search 49ers Hive, and hit that subscribe button. Um, and you have a chance to win a 49ers jersey. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Zach Hernan, as in Hernandez, but without the D-E-Z. Uh, Anthony, why don't you go ahead and let the folks know where to find you and close this out. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, Zach. Just another great episode. As always, fellas and ladies and everyone in between, to follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. It's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49 E-R-S. All right. Thanks, guys.